0: of Med Students Over Easy. I'm your EM Over Easy host, Andy Little, but I'm joined by three amazing individuals that are going to help us kind of tease out a really cool topic today. And I'm going to let them introduce themselves because I'm terrible with names and we'll get go ahead and get started.
1: All right. I'm Patricia Capone and I will be an incoming first year resident at Doctors Hospital.
2: I'm Katie Holmes and I am the APD and clerkship director at Fort Worth EM and I'm happy to be here.
3: And my name is Carlos Taquez. I am a current first year resident at the Fort Worth EM program.
0: Well, we wanted to talk about really a situation that Patricia found herself in when she was a medical student. And, how do, how, and we're going to let her kind of tell the story, but I'm, I'm excited because this is something she called me with months ago, wanting to talk about on the show, and I felt this was the appropriate venue. So Patricia, we'll let you kind of set the stage for us.
1: Yeah. So I was a fourth year medical student. I was on an elective rotation and we had a patient who was 18 years old and had a, what was a typically female first name. And she, well, oh boy, I'm already messing up and used the pronouns he, him, his, but identified as gender non-binary. And the attending that I was working with had a really hard time with this because first he asked me what non-binary meant. So that was kind of where we started. And so we, I, I then explained to him kind of the difference between non-binary and binary. And I will just say that this attending, it was probably in his 50, late 50s, early 60s. So he's been a doctor for a while. And so we had this conversation and then he seemingly got kind of frustrated with me and he was like I just don't understand this stuff. And I found myself as a fourth year med student in the latter half of my fourth year and I didn't know what to say. I kind of I knew what I wanted to say, but I kind of felt awkward about about approaching the situation with him and, and kind of respectfully telling him that I didn't think that it was appropriate or fair. Of him to say that he just doesn't understand this stuff and he wasn't going to deal with it. Now, and now he didn't say anything to the patient when we went to see the patient that was inappropriate or or rude or or anything. But I feel that when you don't truly appreciate the, or like meet the patient where they're at and fully understand the patient, it makes it harder to provide appropriate care. And something in my opinion, that's so simple as just using the proper pronouns and Knowing how to kind of walk into a room and treat people with respect. I think that this is that's part of it. And however, like upon further reflection, I also recognize that this attending did not get the education that I got in med school about the difference between gender identity, gender expression, sex assigned at birth, sexual orientation. I know there's a lot of vocabulary out there. And if you, you know, aren't looking into it and if you're not, reading about it, then you wouldn't necessarily know. So yeah, so I just wanted to kind of chat about that today and kind of see Katie and Carlos, if you have any, any feedback or anything you want to talk about on that.
3: Yeah, I would say it's definitely challenging when you're a medical student and you see either a resident or a fellow or an attending, you know, someone who's above you in that hierarchy of medicine that is doing something that you think is not, ideal especially in terms of patient care and their overall professionalism but it's challenging because again of that power hierarchy you're concerned about potential retaliation for your evaluation which has a lot of implications about your education and then residency and your overall career that you've worked so hard to get to to this point the way that i've come about things like that is really utilizing my position as a student And so similar to you, I had an attending who was a very old school pediatric physician when I was in medical school, would ask all the kids about sexual activity during their wellness visits. But he would always approach the topic of like asking a girl, oh, do you have a boyfriend and asking boys, do you have a girlfriend? And I noticed that that was a big issue because you're missing a lot in between there. And so... Similar to you, Patricia, I was upset about it, but I reflected on it about how to approach it. And the way that I did it is, like I said, using my position is I just posed it as a question, actually. I just asked him, hey, just a quick question about your wellness visits. Why is it that you always ask the girls about boyfriends and the boys about their girlfriends? Why don't you just ask if they have a partner or if they like anybody in their class or something like that? And he wasn't really quite sure. He kind of just gave me a, a little bit of a blank stare. That's like, well, you know, because maybe some of these kids don't identify as heterosexual. Maybe Samantha over here is very interested in another girl in her class, or maybe they're struggling with their own gender and not just their sexual identity. And if you kind of open up the question in a very open way, instead of asking a very targeted heteronormative question, then I think you can have much better dialogue and hopefully, like you said, meet the patient where they're at. And so I think that's a great way to critique people who are above you in this hierarchy is to simply pose it as a question versus saying, hey, you're doing this wrong.
2: Yeah, I think that's great advice. And as a clerkship director at an APD, I think it's important for students and residents to identify someone within the program or the learning environment that they feel like they can reach out to if they are in this situation. And they should kind of declare that early when you're getting oriented on who that person can be. And if they don't, then just at least find someone who you have found as a mentor in your learning environment and just say, hey, how do you think I should approach this? Or this is something that came up, what do you think I should do? And then that way there can be an opportunity for some private education or just even an opportunity to kind of communicate these concerns. Because like you said, this education did not happen for most people over the age of 40 that maybe are in trainings or, or practicing. Yeah, definitely.
1: So, yeah, that's awesome advice, and that was really one of the things that I did was I called Andy and I was like, "What should I have said?" But yeah, I think that that's all super great advice, and and for any med students listening, I think that you just have to feel empowered to say something, and again, posing it like a question is an awesome thing because you can then be respectful about it and make it almost like a teaching moment for your. So, one other thing I wanted to talk about, and I guess kind of do with this episode was kind of talk about the difference between gender identity, gender expression, sex assigned to birth and sexual orientation, just to kind of give those those people out there who haven't had this education a little bit more of what that what that means. And so I know we have even though this is med student over easy, I'm sure we'll have some attendings and residents that listen in too.
0: So Patricia, walk us through that. I think Katie and I can both speak to, we did not receive this education in residency or in med school. It was probably introduced to us in residency. And now it's been, because we're involved with GME, it's a part of what we do, because not only do we have patients that identify this way, now we have learners that identify this way. And so it's really important for us to key in on this. But why don't you walk us through kind of the different variations of what this looks like?
1: Yeah. So I think one of the most concrete things, and probably one of the most easy things for us to understand as physicians, is sex assigned at birth. So that's pretty self explanatory. It basically is what it says, but where you can, and that's identified or determined by, you know, the, the genitalia that we're born with. So, and there can be three options, although we often only think about two. So there's female, male, and then there could be other or intersex. And we learn about in school the different things that can happen that can give you both male and female genitalia and and then as far as gender I guess the the next one that I'll go into is gender expression so gender expression is more specifically how a person expresses themselves so the things that they wear whether or not they choose to wear makeup how they do their hair and so their gender expression can be feminine, masculine, or there is also other. And that's a choice that the individual makes. Then there's gender identity, which is how the person identifies. So that is more, that has nothing to do with their sex assigned at birth, the genitalia that they possess. And it's all about how they feel. And that's more of an, like an emotional mention slash um, feeling. So those are those main three things. So that's why we can't really interchange sex and gender, like gender identity and sex assigned at birth are not interchangeable things. They're completely separate things. And so it is very possible. And I think that was one of the things that was hard for the attending that I was working with. He couldn't really understand how this person who maybe her se- the sex assigned at birth was female, their gender identity or his gender identity was male and so use he used the pronouns he him his and that and i think that that's really important when we have registration going in the room especially in the ED that we want registration to be asking these questions and be comfortable asking these questions so that they can update the chart so that us as providers can go in and actually use the right pronouns and be using the correct name and all of those things so really registration helps us out a ton with With kind of being set up for success in this area. And then kind of to what Carlos was saying about then asking those questions about, do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend? It's really, then you have to be careful how you ask those questions because you don't want to be missing information because there are, just because someone identifies as a certain gender or has a certain sex assigned at birth, doesn't mean that they are physically attracted to one gender or the other that again that's a choice that's a feeling that's an emotion so any person could be physically attracted to a woman or physically attracted to a man and that's you kind of have to be careful how you ask your questions because you don't want to assume that someone is having sexual intercourse with a with a woman just because they're a man and then you met, you can miss you can miss people in high risk groups. So when you're assessing them for certain things, or you might not do a particular test because we're taught to do particular tests in particular high-risk groups. I guess really my one question I have for you guys is why is it important to use the proper pronouns and how do you go about making sure that you are?
3: Yeah, so it's really about, I like what you said at the very beginning, and I'll return to it, is you said meet the patient where they're at one of the things that we learn in medical school is really being able to develop skills to develop a rapport with our patients, because we are in a very privileged situation where we're able to talk to people about very sensitive things. And so you want to be able to do as much as you can to make the patient feel comfortable, feel that you are trustworthy and that you're on their team to be able to provide you with all these sensitive details. And so, it's basically the same thing as being called the wrong name. I think that's happened to all of us throughout our lives at least once. And it never feels good. And, you know, it it turns you off, especially when you're already nervous. You're in the emergency department. I'm assuming you're feeling terrible. You don't want to be there. You're stressed. And, you know, it's chaotic in there, loud. And then on top of all that, you meet your doctor after waiting for 20 minutes. And they call you the wrong name. It just makes it all feel that much worse. It's the exact same thing is when you start um, misusing these gender pronouns where someone feels like they're not being seen and suddenly they don't want to talk to you anymore. They feel that you're not trustworthy, especially being from such a marginalized group. They feel like you could be discriminatory to them. And they've probably had interactions with individuals that felt very predatory and they no longer feel safe. And so... They are not going to open up to you. They're not going to tell you the details that you need to provide them with the best care possible. And it's all kind of just downhill from there. But on the flip side, I mean, I want to say, you know, this is a challenging topic, even for individuals who are within the LGBTQ plus community, it can still be very confusing for all of us. And so I want to say it's okay to make mistakes, acknowledge it, apologize and move on. Don't continue to belittle the topic of, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Cause then it just gets really awkward and uncomfortable, but simple ways that you can do it is something that I practice in when I'm on shift at work is I just have a little pin on my badge that just says he, him. And so it goes to show that I recognize that gender is important. I recognize that it may not be something that you can tell from the outside or just with briefly talking with somebody. And I think it opens up the dialogue and showing that this is something that I am educated about and I feel passionate about. And if people want to ask me about it, then I can ask them about it to them and we can kind of take it from there.
2: That was good. I don't want to answer because I agree with everything you said. And so I guess the only thing I would want to add on... To answer your question, I completely agree with what Carlos said. You have to approach every patient with respect and understand that they're in a vulnerable situation and it is an honor to take care of them. And we work in a county hospital setting. And so to me, it's if that's where you're drawn to practice, then that should just be constantly something you work on and strive to be excellent at no matter what the difference may be between you and your patient. And so that's just always been my philosophy and it's why I love this job.
0: Yeah, we need to be professional. And this is now part of being a professional is speaking a language that makes our patients feel comfortable to where they can be vulnerable with us and they can open up to us so we can give them the best care possible. And so if you're out there and you're a skeptic, I can tell you when you start talking to patients the way that they identify and in a way that makes them feel comfortable, they will be more willing to do the workups you want agree with your plan and feel comfortable in you taking care of them. We did not get deep into this conversation because there's a lot more we could talk about, but I love the teaser that we've discovered in the last 20 some minutes. If you have comments or questions or concerns, please leave them on the blog because we'd love to try to tackle them as a group. And we appreciate everybody hopping on for this segment. Well, you made it all the way to the end of another Med Student Over Easy podcast. Do not forget, we are the official podcast of the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians. To learn more about this great organization and how you can get involved, head on over to acop.org today.